and welcome back. I'm Jessica Clemens here on The Ringerverse. I'll be showing up with theories, Easter egg breakdowns, and explainers on all your favorite content. And today, I'll be delivering a much shorter but still great Easter egg breakdown of Secret Invasion Episode 4. I'll be going scene by scene in order of appearance, pulling things you might have missed, and telling you things you just need to know. This podcast doubles as a video, and if you'd like to watch the amazing work our editors did, or you're just a visual learner like myself, you can watch the video on Spotify, TheRinger.com, or on The Ringer's YouTube channel. The fourth episode might have brought in more evidence to the X-Men's rival, explored Talos' crappy plan, and dives into nanotech. Plus, we learn why we should never drink expensive liquor because the government tracks you that way. Either way, here's your one and only spoiler warning. I'm spoiling all of Secret Invasion. The first four episodes, plus diving into things we might have seen from the trailer and a potential comic book arcs that could spoil the show. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity. The unplanned, the unexpected. An inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue. A surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland. Watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being. Present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, let's get into it. We start the episode with Gaia before she was shot. She's taken all the information from the human Dr. Rosa Dalton, and we find out she's become a super scroll. On the computer to the right, it says Extremist, Frost Beast, and Cole Obsidian's hand. Nothing on Groot's sample. We only see Gaia regenerate using Extremist's ability, so we're not sure what other power she has yet. Then we see the machine built to make super scrolls active for the first time in the series. It radiates a ball of blinding white light. Flashback to 2012, and we're in Paris with Priscilla. She has a French newspaper that says, Le Globe, the Avengers battle for New York. The headline is referring back to the first Avengers movie, the team-up of the century, where Hawkeye, Black Widow, Thor, Hulk, Captain America, and Iron Man took on Loki. During this scene, we have a DH 2012 Nick Fury, and this is what Fury looked like in 2012 during the first Avengers movie. They made his skin so much smoother and de-aging, like airbrushed. It's been a while since we've seen a cleaner-cut Fury. Also, I just think it's interesting to see a de concept of something we've already already lived through and not too long ago. Priscilla begins telling Fury about her book, A Book of Poems by Raymond Carver. We saw this book in episode three, A New Path to the Waterfall, and she's right about one thing. Carver does have depth. His poems can range from an essay to a verse, but personally, I just can't stand the guy. And this is solely because we both grew up in Washington State. They forced me to read his stuff to the point that even looking at a cover makes me want to choke myself. This is forced education 101. Regardless, her favorite poem is Late Fragment. And did you get what you wanted from this life, even so. I did. And what did you want? To call myself beloved. To feel myself beloved on the earth. Okay, so firstly, two things. Priscilla said this is a conversation between two people, but I read this as Raymond Carver talking with himself. This book is a collection of poems throughout the years, some before his death in 1988. Carver grew up extremely poor during the end of the Depression, married at 19, struggled with severe alcoholism, leading to his divorce in 78. He then remarried the poet Tess Gallagher two months before he died of cancer, and the poem Late Fragment is inscribed on his tombstone. So that poem is authentic to Carver's entire life up until his dying day. Did he get what he wanted from this life? I, I think so. I would say so. Secondly, the poem is accurate to Vara's life as a scroll and what she wanted from it. In summary, she was loved by Fury. She was loved on Earth. A little on the nose, but whatever. We're taken to St. James Church, where we see Priscilla right after the train station scene in the last episode. The choir is singing Deep River, and what a visual poetic device, a scroll in a church. 
do you think they believe in Jesus Christ? Maybe this is a video for another day, but I'm going to get into it later. Regardless, it's revealed that Priscilla wasn't in the plan to fire Fury. To her surprise, Rhodey did it. I fired Fury, okay? No, I'm sorry, correction. I DDT'd that dude from the top rope. Yeah, it was like Undertaker level. The DDT move is where you have your like opponent in an inverted headlock and you fall down to drive their head into the mat. The Undertaker isn't known for that move. I mean, he's done it, but when Rhodey says Undertaker level, they really should have said Jake the Snake level because he's known for it. I'm just a mild wrestling fan and this part pissed me off. In hopes to persuade Rhodey from killing Fury, Priscilla's offers that Fury's old tired ass will be dead soon enough, which is messed up. It's ouch. And of course, Fury has this conversation bugged from the start. Rhodey threatens he'll either kill Fury or Priscilla and struts off. After a less than necessary conversation between Gravik and Pagan, we're at an empty lakeside park with Talos and Gaia. She needs a plan and Talos offers the most half-assed plan imaginable. We take down the insurgency. You, me, Fury. Once that's done, we go to the present and we have a big bargaining chip. And we tell him, guess what? Just saved your planet. Now, give me a little something in return and wait and see what can happen next. After being stuck on this planet, on this rock, in disguise for 30 years, and that's your plan, Talos. Guy's face says what we're all thinking. What the fuck? It feels like what Wakanda did in Black Panther, but Wakanda had a lot more resources. I'm only Team Gaia because I don't want them to have to change for us, and they shouldn't have to. We're back at Fury's home, and I didn't recognize how covered in art their house was, like with the ancient Greek mask, kind of like symbolism of the scrolls wearing masks. Ooh. After a short discussion, it's evident that Fury knows Priscilla is working with Gravik. They put their guns down and finish a conversation where Priscilla tells Fury that the identity she assumed was a doctor. The doctor was dying of a congenital heart defect, and in her last moment, she made Vara promise her that she'd be buried at sea, that Vara would keep being a daughter to her parents, which is insane, and that she would never hurt Fury. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. In a heart-wrenching moment between Fury and Priscilla reciting late fragment, they both shoot their pistols. We don't know who's dead, but we see close-ups of their home and a framed book cover of Dr. Priscilla's decoding the superhuman gene, which could be a reference to the X gene from X-Men. This also means human or scroll Priscilla was studying it. We don't know whether the book came out before or after human Priscilla's death, so it's up in the air whose idea it was, but still good for us as the fans in the MCU. This episode is brought to you by Brooks. Calling our running nerds, Brooks has just dropped the Go 16, a sweet name for an even sweeter shoe. If you're looking for comfort for that morning jog or when you're hopping on that treadmill, look no further than the Go 16, which has a nitrogen-infused cushioning. That means it's nice, soft, and lightweight. So you got the comfort, but you don't sacrifice the speed. Turn those everyday miles into everyday endorphins and the better-than-ever Brooks Go 16. Click or tap the banner to learn more. For those that don't know, the X gene is a major gene needed to be a mutant. We haven't seen the X gene in the MCU yet, but we've introduced some mutants, Namor and Miss Marvel. This little nod paves the way for the X-Men entering the MCU down the line, something we've all been waiting for. Priscilla and Fury couldn't kill each other because love, so they both intentionally missed. Fury leaves and Priscilla knows she must go underground or die, so we can expect to never see these two again, unless it's undercover. And luckily, Alvara has to do is take on a new identity, so it's easy for her. Then we cut to a scroll showering. She folds her towel around her chest, basks in her undisguised self, and it turns into Rhodey. Her name is Rava. This is another scroll from Marvel Comics. In the comics, Rava was against the scroll empire and was sentenced to a lifetime in prison, and there she made friends with Black Bolt. So... 
That's pretty cool. When Rhodey steps out, he's met with Nick Fury pushing his 5,000 bottle of Pappy Van Winkle, which we've seen before in She-Hulk episode two. Holden Holloway was drinking it. So these men just like smooth, expensive bottles of liquor. And they always do. Should I be worried about poison? Poison? No. Nanotrackers. (laughs) Nanotrackers. Nanotech is used a lot of the time between shifting in and out of costumes. Even Shuri makes fun of how prehistoric some costumes are without it. They used it in the Iron Spider suit in No Way Home and the Mark L. Iron Man suit we see in Infinity War. Even Shuri mentions using nanites in the Black Panther suit to absorb the kinetic energy to shoot people back. Nanites absorb the kinetic energy and hold it in place for redistribution. Very nice. This is also a little callback to the episode two when Fury was worried Rhodey was poisoning him at Burner's Tavern. When Fury asks for his job back, Rhodey counters that he'll make things worse and uses the evidence he has of Fury shooting Maria Hill from episode one, which we know was actually Gravik. But then it's revealed Fury put a liquid location tracker in Rhodey's drink. That's how they follow Rhodey and the president to the ambush. Before the attack, Scroll Rhodey recites a Vladimir Lenin quote to President Ritson. Lenin served as head of government of Soviet Russia from 1917 to 1924 and the Soviet Union from 1922 to 1924. He also clarifies that Lenin should not be confused with John Lennon, who in the comics was an actual Scroll, a member of the Scroll Beatles, and it's beautiful. This is the caravan we've seen from the trailer, and we know exactly what's about to happen. Gravik and his men, posing as the Russians, attack the president. They land and shoot like crazy. It's all a mess, and Scroll Rhodey's sits unfazed in his seat. All of this and President Ritson is still unconscious. Fury and Talos arrive to save Ritson and Gravik wanted to make it look like Russia was doing all of this, but then he uses Groot's powers to strangle a guy. So I don't think it looks like the Russians anymore. When Talos tries saving the president, Pagan shoots Talos in the chest. Talos starts shifting to his original scroll form, just like we saw the other scrolls in episode one and two. A soldier notices and aims to shoot Talos, but Fury intervenes saying, he's with me. And the soldier turns around with no questions asked. Fury believed humans and scrolls couldn't coexist in episode three. He said it was nearly impossible, but saying he's with me made the soldier turn around. This scene, along with Vara explaining the relationship with Dr. Priscilla Davis, was a smack in the face of Fury's theory that they couldn't coexist. Fury tells Talos to hang on, he'll be back, and once again, Fury fails. Gravik is disguised as a soldier and stabs Talos. We're left with another episode of someone dead on the ground, or are they? I have no evidence from the trailer that Talos is alive. And as far as we know, he's not a super scroll. Talos might actually be dead in the series. If there's anything we've learned from the MCU, though, it's that not everyone's dead. But unless you throw his corpse into the machine, then give him extremist abilities to regenerate, I I just don't see him coming back. And I think he might actually be dead. That's it for my Easter egg video on episode four of Secret Invasion. We talk about Iron Man's nanotech. X-Men entering the MCU, and the Beatles being scrolls. Subscribe to The Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Ringerverse, and on YouTube at youtube.com slash The Ringer. Thanks for watching. Happy Van Winkle. If you're listening, I'd love a sample. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.